Hello and welcome to the Contracting Officer Podcast. You're listening to the podcast for people who want to learn about the government market from the contracting officer's perspective. If you are a contracting officer, we hope to give you a little more insight into industry's perspective. Our mission is to make government contracting better one contract at a time. In today's episode, we tackle the question, what are weighted guidelines? Let's get started. Hey, Kevin, today we're going to talk about weighted guidelines. We are, and this is one of the fun ones because weighted guidelines is one of those things that I don't think most people know about, and I thought they did. And when when you ask people if they understand how profits are determined on contracts, they ask what weighted guidelines is, so... Yeah, so we're going to talk about what zone, what acquisition time zone we're in, why weighted guidelines are important to understand, why why the government cares, and why the industry cares. We are not, however, going to get deep into the details of how the government goes about how – how a contracting officer goes about calculating profit using weighted guidelines, and we are not going to get deep into the inherent good or evil behind profit and our, our experiences and opinions thereof. So if if I get on my soapbox, uh knock me off of that. That that we'll we'll get into the profit thing. Uh another podcast, I'm sure, but but that's not the purpose of today. But no no promises. <laughs> well sorry, we'll try to stay on task today. Right. So what does the FAR say about profit, Kevin? So for those of you following along in the FAR, we're at 15404-4. This is essentially a negotiation of profit. And what it specifically says is both the government and contractor should be concerned with profit as a motivator of efficient and effective contract performance. Both sides. Exactly. So both sides should be concerned about this. And it goes on to get into more little nuts and bolts here, but I want you to understand that you know, I'm not making this up. It's actually written in there. This negotiation is aimed merely at reducing prices by reducing profit without proper recognition of the function of profit are not in the government's interest. So so, so negotiating profit is not a way to save money. Correct, because it creates other issues. And, and again, we'll do another podcast about that. But again, <laughs> this is right in the FAR. This is 15404. And then it goes on to say negotiations of extremely low profits or automatic application of a predetermined percentage based on some random cost are not proper motivation for optimum contract performance. So this is a fact. And again, I'm kind of preaching here because what this really means is that a lot of people understand that the true value of, of profit. As a contracting officer who didn't actually understand this as clearly as I, this particular part of the FAR as clearly as I did uh, as I do now, this is a very helpful concept to look at because this applies for sole source contracts. And when you don't have any other way to negotiate, you need to understand, oh, when I'm negotiating profit, it's part of the business deal to put it together and make it a meaningful piece for both sides. Well said. So what's so all that what they're mean? saying? <laughs> so yeah, let me, that was fun. I got I got to read it for you because otherwise you think I'm making it up. What, what this basically means is, the, the, in this case, FAR specifically says in terms of profit, you need to look at how you're getting a fair and reasonable price under the under the tenants of profit. And this, in particular, is talking about negotiating profit. And specifically today, we're talking about when you're negotiating profit as a line item on a sole source contract. So this is a different or a, a non-competitive contract. Is where right. weighted guidelines right. applies. Right. So non-competitive, it's got to be over what seven hundred thousand dollars is the threshold now. And this is sole source contracts and modifications to current contracts. And the the 
it's it's a it's a far rule. You have to use a structured approach to negotiate profit. In DOD, where we came from, you know, our our experience, weighted guidelines is, is the approach that you have to use. The DFAR spells that out. It's it's two fifteen four oh four dash four. So it's a DFARS version of the same section. But it also says that agencies can use another agency's structured approach, right? Both the Department of Energy and the and NOAA, the National Oceanic and Atmospheric Administration, refer to weighted guidelines in their regulations. And we've gotten a bunch of questions about this online. It's popping up enough places that that's where we thought it was worth spending a cast talking about it. Right. So what do we mean by structured approach? So structured approach, and I'm, I'm going to you know, put this into Kevin language, means you use a process with some basic common elements to negotiate profit. So in other words, you're, you're not just saying, eh, this feels right. Well, that's not good enough. You've got to use some elements, right? So they give you a couple elements. And by the way, you're not limited to just these. You can use additional factors as identified by each agency, FYI. But here are some of the things you can use. So for example, how much contractor effort? And they define that things like the complexity of the work, how many resources are required. Do they provide a, you provide a greater profit opportunity when there are contracts that require a higher degree of professional and management skill. So it right. is in here. And again, I'm not reading this Right. Up. So the it's really right complicated in. stuff might deserve more profit than really simple stuff. Exactly. Because it's because and, by and nature, the complicated stuff r- requires more experienced people, more educated people, and they're high, in higher demand. So contract type always goes into, into the profit decision, right? If, if the contract Correct. is assuming more risk they deserve more profit for taking that risk. The basic concept is you take more risk, performance risk, cost risk. Again, that's defined for the circumstances. But if you as a contractor take more risk, this concept, this structured approach says that's one of the things that you talk about and you get more profit when you take more risk. Yep. What else? And the next, the next one is the socioeconomic programs, otherwise known as you know, small business set aside, women owned small business set aside, hub zones, all that kind of fun stuff. And it does specifically say, this is one of the structures, is that greater put opportunity should be provided to contractors that have displayed unusual initiatives in these programs. So in other words, if you're doing a lot to keep up, you have to say, I don't know, say you have a bunch of hub zone subcontractors. And again, I made that up. That might be something that the contracting officer can use, or they might want to use something else. But the point is you got to consider it. The structure says consider it. Doesn't necessarily get into the nuts and bolts of do it in these four steps. It just says consider it. And here's what's cool about it is it, it actually says you should consider it, which means contracting officers, and this is the thinking part of the job, you decide. What do you, what do you how important do you think it is? Because depending on the circumstances, it might be something that you really want a small business who has a lot of innovative skills to go after this, and you want to be able to give them the appropriate amount of profit and consider the fact they're a small company, and profit means profit can mean a whole lot more to them on certain contracts that are taking more risk because it could come out of, it could risk their business. You're going to think through all that, but that's the point here. Is it's telling you consider this in your structure. Right. So FAR fifteen gives you a handful of other reasons, things to consider that that are probably less common. And uh, then it gives you the out of additional, in quotes, uh, factors identified by each agency. So so that, that opens it up again for the thinking part of being a CO. Correct. And there, right. there are other ones, but we're going to keep flying here. Yeah. So Fire hose version. What is weighted guidelines? So the term weighted guidelines, it's actually a form. 
It's a DD form, Department of Defense 1547. So the Weighted Guidelines Application. That's a, it's just a, a name we all use, but that's actually the name in the form. And that's the process, okay? So remember, going back to podcast number two, remember 80-20 rule, that government acquisition is 80% process. Well, this is one of those processes. Essentially what the Weighted Guidelines Application is, it's a formula-laden spreadsheet that gives the CEO a negotiated negotiation objective from which to negotiate. So it gives them a high and a low and, and based on all these little factors. It's a nifty tool. It can be very useful. It can also be maddeningly frustrating. <laughs> no kidding. But like many, many tools in a thinking profession, such as being a contracting officer or a program manager or anybody who's touching the acquisition cycle, it, it can be very frustrating for you to, to fit it into your circumstances. So understanding how to use it is something that you, you build into. But the point is here that the weighted guidelines application is actually a form. And again, we, we have a, there's a, I Googled it and you could, you could find this spreadsheet. I mean, it's not like it's a, you don't, you don't have to pay for this spreadsheet. You can just go Google the DD 1547 and you'll find, you'll see what we're talking about. Right. So, so even though it's called weighted guidelines, it's really not a, so it's it's a guideline, but in the end, you can't deviate from it unless you get like the head of the agency's approval to go beyond what the weighted guideline spits out. And that's where you said it could be really frustrating to 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 get it to work out when you're trying to negotiate with a contractor if you're the CEO. So let me run through real quick what just what it looks like. Uh, I'll try to be descriptive so so that uh, listeners get an idea if they haven't already Googled the form. But the it it's a spreadsheet basically. The uh, contracting officer loads the cost elements that from the contractor's proposal into the spreadsheet. So, you know, direct labor and material and subcontracts and all those things come up. Then the CO enters these profit factors in there. And the, there's different – there's four different things that are generally included. Like performance risk is one. So that's a balance between the technical and management slash uh, cost control. Um, the contract type risk factors, so firm fixed price – has a, gets a higher factor than a CPFF or a TNM contract. Uh, the next area is facilities capital employed, and this is the uh, facilities capital is a way complex concept that we're not getting into here. But this is the land and buildings and equipment that that uh, contractors have invested in. The for, lo- for, those, for those of you curious, it's a DFARS two fifteen four zero four dash seventy one dash four. So go have fun. We'll yeah. keep moving. <laughs> the last piece is the cost efficiency factor. So this is kind of a special factor that gives an incentive to contractors to reduce costs. So if the contractor can demonstrate that they put in some cost reduction efforts that are really going to benefit this future contract, the CO has a chance to give them a little extra profit along the way to to because they, they've done such a great job of reducing or saying they're going to reduce costs, right? And And what's really funny here is that, again – I'm fire hosing you with FAR references. So if you're driving, try not to roll your eyes back in your head today. So the cost efficiency factor, this comes from DFARS 215.404-71-5. For those of you who are really getting tired of me giving you FAR references, that's important because in there it specifically says the CAO may increase pre-negotiation profit objectives by up to 4%. So it says. I don't, where 4% came from, I have no idea. Not 4.2, so not 5 Exactly. So as a contractor, when you go, where's he getting 4%? It's like, that's, that, that's the most he can give you. Yeah. I mean, just be glad he's not giving you one. I mean, right. So my point is that these, some of these things, are, they're, in, they're in the structure. They're not just, you know, it's, it's, it's a perception sometimes that uh, this is all completely 
you know, contracting officers are, are just being totally subjective and do whatever they want. But a lot of the stuff is it's actually in the regs. And this is one of the funny ones that it says they can only use this particular cost efficiency factor up to 4%. Right. So you've got these factors. And as a CEO, you can kind of toggle up and down whether this particular acquisition is above or below the the midline for, for what what is considered fair by that particular uh, weighted guidelines. And w- at the end, this the spreadsheet spits out, here's your fee range that's a fair and reasonable fee. And that's what the CO gets to go to the contractor with to negotiate. So you probably don't get to see it as a contractor, although as a CO, I did sometimes share the uh, weighted guidelines with the contractor to, to let them see, hey, here's how I come up with it. If you, if you want to argue with any of my judgment on the uh, – on the performance risk or facilities capital, let's hear it. And, and sometimes that, sometimes that helped. Yeah. And I've done the same thing where, because this is the tool that I'm being, I want to say forced because it does have some forced. Benefit. It's the far you're forced. <laughs> it does have some benefit. I mean, honestly, if you think about it, if you, if you really don't have any, any true understanding of what the elements are, to go into an actual negotiation for a complex item, it, it does give you an, a good baseline. It is a it's a it's a useful tool. However, to your point, if you come to the table and say we've picked seventeen point two percent for this firm fixed price contract, and they're like, why that? And, you, and your answer is because the spreadsheet said so. Yeah, that's not really good. <laughs> so you want to understand it, and and part of the understanding is that yeah, you I, I I have done the same thing where I showed it to the person across the table, so to speak. You know, the, the yeah, honestly, just emailed it to him, <laughs> and and the. It, we came up with a, in that case, it was a um, R&D contract. I think it was like 6.4% profit. And that's low for his for R&D, commercial yeah. thing. He says, whoa, what's up with that? And it's like, well, I'm not making this up. This is, here's where I came up with it. And we worked our way through it that way. So yep. again, this is one of those things that I think the mindset is, oh, you can't show it to them. And as far as we could find, nothing in the far says you can't. So it's a good part of negotiation. Yep. And as a, as a final tagline on this, we actually are building a screencast of this on the Skyway Connection community for, for members to be able to, if you want to see us walk you through how to use it, it's a, it's a, like I said, it's a useful tool if you're finding yourself in not just sole source contracts, but ones where it, if it's a modification to a contract, in other words, it's not having competition around it and it's over $700,000, you may find yourself dealing with this. So it's, again, one of the things that people just asked about. So what? Let's moving on. Moving let's, on. Let's link this to the acquisition time zones. So technically, you know, the acquisition time zones. We're really talking about uh, a competitive acquisition. This is for sole source and for uh, engineering change proposal and negotiations after award. So it's technically sort of zone four and post. It, it's it's you know contract is awarded or contractor is going to be awarded. If we were doing this competitively, it would be zone four, but it's not really. So keep in mind that this is, this is supposed to be a hassle to negotiate through this process for contracts that don't have competition because going back to the basic concept we talk about here is the competition is the gold standard for establishing a fair and reasonable price, just like you talked about. The expectation is you're going to have competition. So in case of emergency, break glass and use weighted guidelines. <laughs> That's the way to think of this is that if you don't have – if you really don't have any way to get competition, this is the tool you're going to use to come up with a fair and reasonable price. Okay. Profit. So why does the government care about weighted guidelines? Well, we already pretty much covered that. The FAR says so. 15404 says you're going to care and you're going to use a structured approach. And if you're in DOD, 
here's the approach you're going to use. The government needs to justify that they're getting a fair and reasonable price for everything they buy to protect us taxpayers. And the definition of fair with no competition is very difficult, so this helps with that. So a fair price in our system, capitalism, is what the market will bear. When you buy something in your personal life, you don't know how much profit the company that's selling it to you is making. You don't know all the little bits and pieces of of how much the, the middleman is making and how much the retail store is making. And you, you certainly don't know what the company themselves is making on it. So is 10% profit fair? Is 20% fair? Is 50% fair? Depends on how bad you want it. Depends on what alternatives you have. But it's what the market will bear. And that's a big difference because the government doesn't get to buy like that. Yeah, and, and the difference here is that if you're going to, I'm just I'm not picking on Cadillac, but it popped in my head. So, how much you pay for a Cadillac? You could argue that a Cadillac is is, is going to be it's worth more to somebody. They're going to pay whatever price they want for that particular Cadillac. They may may even pay more for a black one or you know whatever reason, but it's because they want to buy it. Well, as a contracting officer, the decision the the want to buy it that decision's already made in this case because it's there's a reason you're buying this item through sole source is that you need it. So it's not a matter of what the market will bear based on what you want. It's you're trying to get the deal done. You need to be able to figure out what is a fair and reasonable price to get the deal done. And that's why this tool is there. So the government cares about this because as a contracting officer, your job is to acquire stuff. At its core, your job is to acquire stuff for your customer. And to be able to buy things when there isn't competition, you need some means to be able to say – to tell the taxpayer and everybody else in between 6%, 16%. 26%, whatever the circumstances were, was reasonable based on X. And that's what Weighted Guidelines helps with. Right. And if you're a CO and you're dealing with a company that doesn't deal with the government all the time or that sells the same products both commercially and to the government, you got to understand that they may be completely blown away when you're with, with the low profit that you're trying to negotiate based on Weighted Guidelines. They just don't deal with that kind of stuff. Usually it's, do you want it? Here's the price. Yeah. And, and the last thing I'll say on this is it's not perfect, but you know what? Very few things are. <laughs> so it, it, it's better than nothing. It's not ideal. And, but it's it just, just like our, our cast about the colors of money and how you could argue that money gets wasted at the end of the fiscal year. You know what? It's the system we have. So let's figure out how to use it and make the best of it. Yep. So why should industry care? So again, the government has to use this. So industry needs to be sensitive to that. And you just have to understand that the CO just can't say, I really want this, so I'm going to pay more. They can't come up with an arbitrary profit rate for it, profit factor. They use weighted guidelines or another structure approach that consider certain factors to get to their profit, their negotiation objectives to, to, that they're offering to you as, as, a, as industry. So if you as industry understand not just the CEO's thought process, but the tools that they're using, you'll be more be prepared to negotiate. And yeah, and, and yeah, you know me, I'm always, I'm, I'm going to be blunt here. Is if these rules, if you don't like these rules, if, if you're not okay with the fact that, that the taxpayer gets a vote here, is that the structured approach is the taxpayer getting a vote on what the definition of fair and reasonable profit is. If you're not okay with that, then this is why we do the podcast is to tell people if, if this isn't for you, then the, then the government market might not be for you. Is go yeah. sell in a market where people rarely need things. They very like you don't ever need a Lamborghini, but you're going to pay what they tell you it costs, which I think they're up to like probably four hundred grand or whatever. <laughs> no, but you don't need that. You're choosing to pay that for that. 
that is such a difference. And you know, that's that, that mindset as a contracting officer, you're coming to the table and you need it. You need to close this transaction and you feel like that need is being, what's the word abused <laughs> contractor if they're trying to get more than what you see is fair and reasonable. So you're already, it's already a contentious issue. So just know that up front. And if you're not okay with it, yeah, uh, you know, go stay in the commercial market because <laughs> this thing doesn't apply in commercial. It's a, it's a funny little animal, which is again, why we're talking about it. Yeah. So I think we did a really good job there of staying away from, uh, the, the whole, what is profit and why is it a good thing or a bad thing? Uh, that, that's very difficult because I have a ton of stuff I'd like to say there that we'll save for another cast. So let's wrap this up. And, and, and spoiler alert, we are going to have a cast coming up about that. <laughs> don't, don't feel like we're only being you high and dry. We're just trying to keep this under 30 minutes. So here we go. Right. So there it is. Weighted guidelines. It's a structured approach that the government has to use per the FAR to determine what is a fair and reasonable profit for a sole source negotiation, which includes uh, change proposals after a contract award or can include change proposals if certified cost and pricing data is required, if it's over a certain threshold. So we covered what it is, when it needs to be used. We talked about why industry should care about it and why government has to care about it because of the FAR. I think that about does it for weighted guidelines. That does. So as always, send us your topics. Uh, go on to the website, contractingofficerpodcast.com, and there's a little submit your ideas. Also, you can contact us directly. You can connect with us on LinkedIn, Twitter, and now on Facebook. Very exciting. Um, and my personal favorite, please write us a review on iTunes. It's how we get to the top of the rankings, and we're giving this information away for free, so please help people find it. Right. And remember, the podcast, we're keeping this at a very top level. We've started to offer webinars through the Skyway Connection community. This is uh, all former government COs there to help government and industry learn, collaborate, and grow together. So if you want to learn more about that, you can always go to skywayacquisition.com slash connect. And thanks for being a podcast listener. All right. Thanks. I'll talk to you later, Kevin. See you next time. Okay, that's it for this week's episode. As always, if you have questions, comments, or complaints, go to contractingofficerpodcast.com, hit the contact button, and let us know what you think. Thanks for listening.